Let's get going with another edition, a week-ending edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Dirk Christensen with you here. This is the Roundtable, where we cover some of the information that you can look forward to hearing. And we always look forward, oftentimes, on a Friday, we get the dulcet tones of Shaley Peters. <laughs> How are you, Shaley? I'm great, and I'm glad it's Friday. Now, so. I think we all are at this point. Little brain. Looks yep. like we've finally, as you say, turned the corner, which can mean uh, big news in Nebraska. That is right. And, you know, I wasn't in last Friday ahead of that uh, snowstorm forecast, so I did not, I wasn't sad that I missed that forecast at all <laughs> or a chance to visit with Al last week. But this week, better news is coming. I think we'll have some planters rolling sooner rather than later. We, as Al said uh, and I mentioned, have turned a corner. Um, some rain in the forecast, but other than that, looking to warm up. His comments were, uh, once the soil temperatures take off, they're really going to start to climb. So yeah. good news for those planters and hopefully our calving guys, too, get out of some of this crummy, colder weather. Um, and then at 117, our own Alex Wojcicki, one of our Lincoln ladies, is in. She's talking with Marsha Lee from the Central Platte Natural Resources District. They've got a lot of summer camps and uh they're going to be talking about some of the scholarships they have available for that. And that's our coverage on Midday. I think Mr. Jason's going to be in talking about what's coming up at 1245. Yes, we will. We'll talk the spring game. We'll get a preview with Sean Callahan of HuskerOnline.com. All right. Well, that'll be great. Shaley, thanks very much. Appreciate it. I like that term, the Lincoln ladies. Mm-hmm. Maybe, <laughs> maybe ladies and gentlemen. Well, you know, I think it's good that Bryce is outnumbered. He needs to be kept in check down there. <laughs> Yeah, we'll pass that along, but I'm sure he already knows. <laughs> Thanks. And, uh, okay, so we do have that big uh, spring game everyone's looking forward to. We do, and we'll talk about that coming up in sports. UNK held their spring game last night. We'll get the thoughts of head coach Josh Lynn about that. Husker baseball team, they're on the East Coast this weekend at about 90 minutes. Their game with Rutgers will start. Huskers could use a good road trip right now, just 3-7 and seven in Big Ten action. Uh, they need to turn things around or they will not even make the Big Ten tournament, which could be a little embarrassing since it's Omaha's turn to host that oh. this time around. So when those deals were signed, yeah. the thought process was, the process was that, yeah, Nebraska will be a part it's of it. It's a natural. Uh-huh. That may not happen <laughs> this time around, so we will touch on all of that in a whole lot more coming up in sports very good and bob brogan is in with some business news stocks are slipping sun trust warns of a potential data theft and that's kind of a a big deal in the uh, business news today um also uh, southwest airlines has sent a letter of apology and is offering compensation to passengers who were on that uh, ill-fated flight earlier this week that made an emergency landing following an engine explosion one other thing that uh, folks are watching here in Nebraska, the unemployment rate. And uh, the preliminary March unemployment rate of 2.8% is unchanged from the February figure, so apparently things are staying fairly strong in that area. Lots of folks watching the economy and uh, how it's doing. And the fact that it's been stable and uh, staying lower is is pretty good. So those are some of the stories we've got coming up. Yep, and we'll remind people that our Rural Radio Forum next will talk about economic development. That's coming up on May 1st. Today you're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. 
Paul Perkins is in with our ag weather presented by Holdridge Irrigation. There is some precipitation out there and... uh, Hey, they're actually talking about rolling some planters here in the not-too-distant future. Yes, because at the end of the week, uh, we are looking at some warmer-than-normal temperatures, and it looks like that trend will continue into early May. So things are starting to maybe trend a little more cooperative to get back in the field. All right. Now, we have seen some slight adjustment in the amounts of precipitation expected here in the next 24 to 36, right? Exactly, yes. Uh, over southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, there were out, uh, expectations that they could see close to an inch of rain right now looks like they backed off on the latest forecast that maybe totals of up to about three quarters of an inch in many areas over southwest nebraska and northwest kansas that rain continuing to fall in the eastern nebraska panhandle into northeast colorado looks like some fairly good rains maybe even some thunderstorms just in between alliance and hyannis right now also probably a fairly good thunderstorm going towards the yuma area that rain lifting to the north but in time this system will glide to the southeast some of that light rain trying to get going over southwest nebraska from ogallala to just south of north platte and also a little bit of light rain in and around the imperial area our temperatures right now most areas in the mid to upper 40s some low 50s as you head towards the east uh, first off, if you're going to the Husker game tomorrow, the spring game forecast looking at cloudy skies, there's a 30% chance of rain. The rain chance is less so into eastern Nebraska. Kickoff temperatures ran around 48, warming up to about 54 by the end of the game. And luckily, not too much of a problem on the wind out of the east at 10. Our rain chances increasing today in west and central areas, mainly to the west of Highway 281 as that area of low pressure approaches. Lots of clouds in place across the area. Breezy southwest east winds helping to warm the temperatures mostly into the 50s. Likely rain chances spreading into central areas tonight with lesser chances the farther east you go as that area of low pressure tracks to the southeast. Usually we have these systems move to the east. This system mainly gliding to the southeast through our area. Then it'll track to the east by, by the time it hits Texas. The best chance of some rain will be late tonight into tomorrow morning with the steady light rain possible, so it could be a very good soaker. Rain amounts expected to now vary from about a quarter of an inch in many central areas of Nebraska and Kansas to about three-quarters of an inch over southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas, and then even lighter rainfall totals as you head farther east. High pressure settles in for Sunday and Monday for dry and warmer weather. Monday night into Tuesday, the next cold front arrives, and we could get a quick shot of rain out of that. A sign of sustained spring weather starting to arrive late in the week with the ridge of high pressure. Temperatures will start to warm near the 70s by Thursday. Overnight lows may be frosty at times, but mainly just above freezing in the mid to upper 30s. And that looks like it's going to hold in the long-term forecast. The temperature outlook starts with seasonal or near-normal temperatures the middle of next week in Nebraska and Kansas. Now a likelihood Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will be warmer than normal late next week through the first three days of May. Daytime highs in central Nebraska during late April and early May are usually in the upper 60s with overnight lows on average in the low 40s. There's also a good likelihood of above-normal precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through May 3rd. Soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning, as cool as the low 30s in north-central and nearby parts of northeast Nebraska. Other soil temperatures in Nebraska pretty much in the mid to upper 30s. In most of Kansas, the soil temperatures in the low 40s. Over the southwest, they're in the mid to upper 40s. Weather factors in the markets include rain forming in the southern plains and variable conditions in the Midwest this next week. A storm emerging from the southwest will drift to the east and reach the southeast U.S. by early next week. 
Highly beneficial rain will develop later today across the drought-affected central and southern high plains where totals of a half inch to an inch and a half are possible. Some locations may largely, though, miss out. A more widespread soaking rain is sorely needed. Any rain on the southern plains may be too late, though, for some drought-damaged wheat, but should a wildfire containment and slightly improve the topsoil moisture for spring planting, showers will become heavier farther east and accompanied by some locally severe thunderstorms over the southeast U.S. and Delta. It's a widely variable situation for Midwest field work in corn planting. The northern half significantly delayed due to cold and unsettled weather. Growers in the southern Midwest have more normal conditions ahead through the weekend for anyhow for planting progress. Forecast models suggest a favorable warming trend by early May for the Midwest. Brazil's central crop areas are benefiting from a favorable pattern of temperatures, periodic rains, and soil moisture for second crop corn that crop now into the pollination and filling stage. All righty, sir. And the ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Uh, Paul, I guess it's uh, looking a little more hopeful and a little more springtime. Conspicuous by its absence is the word snow in your forecast. Yeah, we don't, we're not mentioning winter storm or blizzard warning in the forecast. How the world changes in just one week here. <laughs> I guess it's climate change. There you go. Uh, it is, uh, of course, right here where you'll need to keep it for all of your weather information as we go on into what we hope will be spring at some point in the near future. And uh, we will have it all for you when you need weather anytime. KRVN.com. Sorghum is turned around at sea after China tariffs. I'm Shaley Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network as we take a look at your midday ag news. Several ships carrying cargoes of sorghum from the United States to China have changed course since Beijing slapped hefty anti-dumping deposits on U.S. imports of the grain. Trade sources and Reuters analysis of export and shipping data showed sorghum is a niche animal feed and a tiny slice of the billions of dollars in exports at stake in the trade dispute between the world's two largest economies, which threatens to disrupt the flow of everything from steel to electronics. The supply chain pain felt by sorghum suppliers on the Pacific, Atlantic, and Indian Oceans underscores how quickly the mounting trade tensions between the U.S. and China can impact the global agricultural sector, which has been reeling from low commodity prices amid a global grains glut. 20 ships carrying over 1.2 million tons of U.S. sorghum are on the water, according to export inspections data from the USDA's Federal Grain Inspection Service. Of the Armada, valued at more than 216 million, at least five changed course within hours of China's announcing tariffs on U.S. sorghum imports earlier this week. The five shipments all headed for China when they were loaded at Texas Gulf Coast export terminals owned by grain merchants Cargill and Archer Daniels Midland would be liable for a hefty deposit to be paid on their value, which could make the loads unprofitable to deliver. And in other ag news, Governor Pete Ricketts joined the Sand County Foundation, the Alliance for the Future of Agriculture in Nebraska, Cargill, and the Nebraska Environmental Trust yesterday to announce the O'Rourke family's Rouge Den Ranch as the recipient of the 2018 Nebraska Leopold Conservation Award. The annual award honors Nebraska landowner achievement in voluntary stewardship and manage of, management of natural resources. Nebraska's farmers and ranchers are the original conservationists. 
said Governor Ricketts. Congratulations to the O'Rourke family on this great honor. Their work at the Rouge Den Ranch demonstrates how private landowners consistently help feed the world while caring for and conserving the land and habitat they utilize every year. People like the O'Rourke family are helping set the standards for farmers and ranchers across our state and the nation. Upon receiving the award, Jim O'Rourke said their family is humbled. Highlighting the economic stress in agriculture and what the National Farmers Union called the alarmingly high rate of suicide amongst farmers and ranchers, a bipartisan group of senators introduced a bill Thursday to provide more mental health resources in rural America. The bill is called the Facilitating Accessible Resources for Mental Health and Encouraging Rural Solutions for Immediate Response to Stressful Times, or Farmers First. It was introduced by Senators Tammy Baldwin, a Democrat from Wisconsin, Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa, along with Senators Michael Bennett, Cory Gardner, Heidi Heitkamp, and Jerry Moran. Ideally, the bill will serve as a marker to get added to the Senate version of the Farm Bill. And finally, Russia's antitrust regulator, FAS, has approved Bayer's planned takeover of Monsanto, the German drugs and crop chemicals maker said, as it enters the home stretch to closing the $62.5 billion deal. Russia was one of the few jurisdictions to be won over after the European Commission last month gave conditional clearance and after a source said Bayer struck an agreement in principle with U.S. Department of Justice. Bayer has agreed to enable the transfer of defined technologies to Russian recipients in the area of seeds breeding and digital farming for a period of five years, the company said in a statement. As a part of these concessions, it would share some genetic know-how on corn, wheat, oilseed, rapeseed, and vegetable seeds. And that's a quick look at your midday ag news here on a Friday. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time again this week to visit with our Nebraska Extension agricultural climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And Al headed into last week, kind of a doozy. But looking at this week, it seems that we may have turned a corner here a bit. What can we expect weatherwise headed into the weekend and next week? Well, Shaley, I think that we are finally turning the corner on this uh, this Arctic air that has been record-setting across much of the upper Midwest, including Nebraska, during the first half of April. Now it looks to be easing up, and we have a system moving through the Rockies right now. It's actually expected to move in an easterly fashion with a slight southeasterly tilt toward southern Texas. So the moisture that is starting to show up on radar, and I suspect some of that is probably starting to make it to the surface in the panhandle and in portions of northeastern Colorado, is essentially going to shift slowly toward the east-southeast as that upper air low pulls out of the southern Rockies. So over the next 24 hours, most of the precipitation expected with this system of any consequence will be over the western one-third of the state. And it looks like from the panhandle through southwest Nebraska and then in through central central portions of Kansas, we are going to see a, a fairly robust precipitation maker expected to be somewhere in the three-quarters to one-inch range with a bullseye over north-central Oklahoma of two inches and three quarters of an inch to an inch across the Texas Panhandle, Oklahoma Panhandle, and southeastern portions of Colorado. 
extensive fire problems in this region, so this will be very welcome. I don't know how much it's going to help the weed crop. It's been so damaged in the panhandle in the western half of Oklahoma and southwestern Kansas that this may just stabilize it from getting any even worse, but more importantly for us, as this thing moves to the southeast, much of eastern Nebraska, Iowa, and points off through northern Illinois are not expected to receive much less than a tenth of an inch. We'll probably see some cloudy conditions. And then as that system starts to pull into the lower Mississippi River Valley, we're going to start to see a drier pattern at least through Monday night before another quick moving shortwave moves across the northern plains. This one looks like it's got the best precipitation signature for the northern panhandle in northeastern Nebraska, less than a quarter of an inch the remainder of the state. It really doesn't look to me like it's going to be a major event. Then we get that brief two cool downs followed by two days of drier conditions warming up before yet another system Thursday night through Friday comes through the northern plains. This one right now, no moisture with it. So it appears to me that for the better part of the next 10 days, conditions are now beginning to become more favorable for planting. The big question will be the northern half of the state, particularly northeast Nebraska, where the heavier snowfall and the colder soil conditions and wetter conditions exist. We may be delayed a few days there, and that's going to be highly dependent on each of these systems coming out next week and how much moisture they drop. But more importantly, as we get to that first full week of May, one of the things the models are showing is uh, a lot of precipitation across all of the Corn Belt, but that's slowly sagging into the southern plains in a due south direction so that they start to see precipitation between the 3rd and the 6th. If that is to happen, at least it will continue to at least offer some hope for that part of the country for precipitation events, but they're being very far and few between, so each one of these events are important, and at least we have a reasonable or respectable chance of seeing some good moisture across the southern plains over the next 48 hours. All right. Thanks so much, Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. Of course, for more anytime, you can visit RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Time to check Midday Sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Nebraska will host its annual red-white game tomorrow. Running backs coach Ryan Held will call the plays for the white squad, and he's looking forward to it. You know, personally, you know, getting these guys, hey, this is a game. You know, it's Big Ten Network, let's go. All right, we're not going to sit back and just concede anything. We're trying to win the game. And uh, that's the mentality these guys need to do. Every time they go out there, it doesn't matter who it's against, we're trying to compete. It'll be the first chance Husker fans have gotten a chance to see the new coaching staff and the system put in by new head coach Scott Frost. Tristan Jebby and Adrian Martinez will be the quarterbacks for the Reds. Walk-on Andrew Bunch and Noah Vedrul, who has to sit out this season after transferring from Central Florida, will be quarterback in the Whites. Kickoff tomorrow is set for 11. K-State is also scheduled to host its spring game tomorrow as well in Manhattan. UNK head coach Josh Lynn wrapped up his second spring in Kearney last night as the Lopers held their annual spring game. The offense rallied past the defense 42-36 as they used a modified scoring system for the game. Now, last year the Lopers' strength was on defense, and Lynn feels good about that unit again. I believe the strong point of our football team is our defensive line. And then you get Sal Silvio in behind them. And, you know, another good addition that had a great spring was a kid who's number one on the defense. His name's Kevin Wilson. Um, he had a great spring for us as well. He's a free safety. I think you also got to weigh in our outside linebacker uh, position. You know, Travis Holcomb, Brendan Folk, uh, Zach Sullivan. 
Clifford Taylor, all, all, three, all four of those guys had great springs. The Lopers now head to the offseason. They'll begin their year on August 30th at home against Missouri Southern. And the world champion Philadelphia Eagles will kick off the 2018 NFL season by hosting Atlanta on Thursday night, September 6th. Now Green Bay will host Chicago in the first Sunday night matchup on September 9th. The Broncos, they will begin the season at home against Seattle. The Chiefs, they'll be on the road as they will be taking on San Diego. The Husker baseball team is on the road this weekend at Rutgers. Game one of that series starts in just a little bit at 1 Central. The marquee pitching matchup of the young season takes place tonight in Los Angeles where Nationals ace Max Scherzer faces off against Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers. It'll be just the 13th time in Major League history that two three-time Cy Young Award winners are on the mound. and This will be the first time that kind of matchup has taken place since 2006. And former Ohio State football coach Earl Bruce has died at his home in Ohio. He was 87. He followed Woody Hayes as coach in Columbus and compiled an 81-26-1 record. His teams won or shared four Big Ten titles in between 1979 and 1987. He also coached at Tampa, Colorado State, Iowa State, and Northern Iowa. While coaching at Iowa State, he actually beat Nebraska back in 1976 and 77. That is a check of sports. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Slight chance of showers before 3 p.m. this afternoon, then a chance of showers after 4, cloudy with a high near 54. Tonight, showers likely mainly after 9 p.m., cloudy again with lows around 39, and then for Saturday, showers likely mainly before 1 p.m., cloudy with a high near 49. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Senator Matt Williams of Gothenburg says there were a number of accomplishments during the 2018 session that wrapped up on Wednesday. We were able to yesterday pass LB 496, which is the workforce housing bill that was my priority bill this session. Um, Felt very good about that. And then we also passed LB 1090, which is the equalization bill, recognizing that the federal changes to your federal income taxes have an effect on your Nebraska income tax. And if we had not passed that, Nebraskans would have been paying in excess of over $200 million more in state taxes. While there was some progress on taxes, Williams regrets that property tax relief measure wasn't passed. We were not able to build a consensus on a tax reform package. And to do that, we needed to have an ingredient of income tax, property tax, and of course, workforce development. Now for my legislative district, property taxes are clearly the issue. And I agree that we are out of whack and that we have a system right now that is not sustainable. Williams says he's willing to work through the summer and fall to build a contingency of people with an attitude toward dealing with property tax relief in a more meaningful manner. Three family members have been charged with animal cruelty and neglect following the deaths of dozens of cattle on their Nebraska farm. Acting under search warrants, deputies found at least 65 carcasses on the property near Overton. No information has been released on the cause of death, but many of the animals were emaciated. 59-year-old Eugene Wimpen Sr., his wife Diane, and their 33-year-old son Eugene Wimpen Jr., are charged with four felony and misdemeanor counts. Their next court hearing is set for May 1st in Lexington. 
Officials say a Powerball ticket worth $1 million was sold in Bellevue. Neil Watson of the Nebraska Lottery says the ticket sold at a quick shop matched the first five numbers drawn Wednesday night, which were 9, 10, 12, 17, and 23, but it didn't match the Powerball number of 9. Had it, the ticket would be worth $122 million before taxes. Your phone is just one click away from closings and cancellations when you use our app from the KRVN News Center. I'm Scott Foster. Jason Jorgensen with you on the Rural Radio Network as we get set to preview tomorrow's Nebraska Spring Football Game with Sean Callahan of HuskerOnline.com. Sean, as always, thanks a lot for the time. Hey, it's great to be on in this way with you, Jason. Good, Good to always talk with you. Well, let's talk about this spring. This has been one of those springs that a lot of folks have really paid attention to. The the first spring under new head coach, uh, Scott Frost. You've seen a lot of these springs over the years. What What's your overall take on this one so far? Well, it's really been about kind of laying the foundation and culture of, of what they want to be, kind of establishing what the next, hopefully, 15, 20 years in Nebraska football is going to be because I think most people expect and want this move with Scott Frost to be for the long term as he just checks all the boxes for uh, what this place is going to be. And so it, it's started with strength and conditioning, getting the guys where they want to be under new coach Zach Duvall, then learning the new offense, learning the new defense, learning the ways of leadership, how they practice, um, just a lot of little things that over time are going to be huge and just kind of laying the foundation for what Nebraska football is going to be uh, in, the, in the years to come. How would you compare this transition to some of the others you've seen during the Callahan, Pelini, and the, the three years with Riley? Well, what's unique about this one, Jason, is all of the coaches came with Scott Frost, and uh, that's never happened before. Bill Callahan only had a couple of Raiders guys come with him to Lincoln. Uh, obviously, Solich, when he transitioned, he kept his entire staff from Osborne, uh, but, you know, Pelini had a, a mismatch of guys of different uh, staffs coming with him. But the fact that this staff was a working staff the last two years at UCF, and they went from 0-12 to six wins, then 13-0 and in year two, um, it just made this such a seamless transition because there is not that getting-to-know process. These guys all know each other. They all work with one another. So when they got to Lincoln, it was like they just got to work the day after the Peach Bowl and uh, began working at Nebraska. And um, I, I think it's really made it easier for the players uh, because it does take a while for new coaches joining a new staff just to get to know one another, know the new, the new systems on offense and defense. And that really hasn't had to be the case uh, with this transition. You follow practice, you go to practice, you've talked to a lot of the players. It seems to me that the buy-in this time around has been pretty strong. Yeah, and I think what's different about the buy-in, Jason, is um, they're not ta- they're not selling hopes and dreams. Like when we get here, we plan to do this. They're showing no. We've already done this. We've made it work. We have the blueprint. We went from 0 and 12 to 13 and 0, uh, winning the Peach Bowl against Auburn, who beat by the way Georgia and Alabama. So we know how to get it done. We're here now to show you that way, and we're going to do it now the Nebraska way. That was the Tom Osborne way. And when you have the former players mixed with Scott Frost's credibility that he's been able to establish um, and what he did last year at UCF, um, it, it just made the buy-in much different, especially when, obviously, you compare it to Mike Riley, who didn't even go to a bowl game his final year at Oregon State, and he took over for a staff that went nine wins and went to a bowl game. So 
um, it, it's a totally different situation, especially uh, when you compare it to the Riley transition three years ago. Today we're joined by Sean Callahan of HuskerOnline.com as we preview tomorrow's Nebraska's big red-white game. Sean, what's your feeling on the quarterbacks? Does Coach Frost have the guys he needs at this point to, to run this system going forward? It's interesting. We knew that there would be somebody that would be leaving, and Patrick O'Brien was going to be probably that odd man out. He just didn't fit, and he announced he left the program last week. So you've got three quarterbacks, Tristan Jebbia, uh, Adrian Martinez, the highly touted freshman, then Andrew Bunch, who's been the surprise uh, walk-on guy. I think Jebbia, though, today would have an edge uh, over Martinez and Bunch. Uh, I think the real discussion still, though, will be a graduate transfer. Will Nebraska potentially entertain Joe Burrow um, if he decides to leave Ohio State and grad transfer here in the next couple of weeks? That's still kind of one of those things that Frost has been pretty hush-hush about, but um, after they get through the spring game Saturday and look at things closer, um, they're going to have to ask himself. If we can get Joe Burrow, do we take him, or do we think Jebbia or Martinez is the guy that can get us to where we want to go here in the first couple years of this transition? How about the defense and the black shirts? There's been so many issues there. A lot of these players, I mean, this is their fourth defensive coordinator, fourth defensive staff they've been a part of. How, how much can they improve, do you think, uh, between now and maybe the start of the year? You know, as defense is not just about scheme. It's more about a belief in the system and passion. And I, I think when you look at, especially uh, last year, uh, there was not a belief in the system as the year went on, and it reflected with the way the defense had performed. I mean, they had three halves a year ago where they gave up 42 points and a half um, against Ohio State, Oregon, and Penn State. Um, so when you look at the defense now, um, it's kind of just getting that mentality back, getting that belief in the system and the culture that they want, playing with aggression. And that's the biggest thing I, I've noticed. Uh, Eric Shenander is really big on forcing turnovers. He's really big on getting sacks. So uh, they're not going to just drop eight into coverage. He's going to get after the quarterback. He's going to send pressure. Um, he talks about deflecting passes to cause interceptions. Um, they really have emphasized turnovers to the point where the players almost get tired of him talking about it uh, because all they do is constantly emphasize the importance of forcing turnovers. Well, that was Sean Callahan of HuskerOnline.com. Once again, the Nebraska Spring Game kicks off tomorrow at 11 at Memorial Stadium. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jason Jorgensen. Now we get a review of the Livestock Futures trade with Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. And, Joe, we get to talk about a rebound instead of uh, sharp losses. Yeah, we get to talk about a rebound in the cattle. Uh, now, tri a triple-digit gain out of the uh, nearby April, but really, why not? Uh, cash trading uh, is up up into uh, 122. Uh, uh, we're still very discount at at this point, so a lot of short covering going on there, and just uh, some uh, a re nice rebound going into a cattle on feed report. It's out at two o'clock today, and it basically looking for about eight percent more cattle on feed, uh, uh, ten percent uh, decline in uh, placements, and uh, uh, near the same in uh, uh, marketing. So. Uh, we'll see how that report goes, but all in all, not a bad day. Uh, after yesterday, uh, I think confused a lot of people with uh, cash being firm and uh, the market uh, going down. But uh, we do finish higher for the week. 
the uh, feeders also rebounded, but quite honestly, they did not finish higher for the week. So uh, that uh, a bit of a surprise with corn, uh, uh, the grains coming under some pressure. Uh, so uh, uh, lower finish for the feeders. The hogs finishing higher for the week, but uh, mixed uh, to lower on the uh, on the futures. Uh, but can, still, we have a pretty good premium despite the fact that that index is rising fast. Cash was firm again today. Thank The hogs also. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Rural Radio Network. I'm Alex Wojcicki speaking with Marsha Lee, the Information Education Specialist at the Central Platte NRD. And Marsha, you guys have recently released that you are going to be providing scholarships for three different summer camps, three different age groups. Let's talk a little bit about those scholarships. We have uh, scholarships available for any natural resources camp in our district. Uh, we provide $100 toward various um, camps in our district. So um, what we want to do is get kids of all ages out um, this summer to, to learn about natural resources. Yes, and summer is definitely a busy time for summer camps. So let's talk a little bit more about these three camps and, and what these students do at the camps. Okay. Uh, first, at the elementary level, we do sponsor a camp called SOAR. It's the Summer Orientation About Rivers. And it, the Prairie Plains Resource Institute is the one who actually sponsors it. And then we just help provide funding and scholarships towards that camp. And the, the fun part about this camp is they actually get to spend the majority of the time on the Platte River. So that's a lot of fun for kids in, in, in grades three through six. That's certainly an exciting time for elementary students. And then you have a middle school camp, too. Let's let's talk a little bit more about that one. This one I'm really excited about because this is the camp that the Natural Resources Districts here in Nebraska host. Uh, we've been hosting it for eight years, uh, since 2009. And what we do is we um, teach 6th, 7th, and 8th graders about all different types of natural resources, such as water quality, water quantity, wildlife, forestry. We even have a climatologist there that teach them about weather, soils, range, and um, this year, something new is outdoor survival. So um, that'll be a lot of fun. Then this is held at the Halsey 4-H camp, so they also get to experience things like tubing, hiking, fishing, zipline, and other river activities. They really, really enjoy it. Um, we've had so much positive feedback on, on this camp. It's a lot of fun. And one thing that we um, actually added a couple of years ago was the NRD Olympics. So any student who wants to participate in an Olympic event gets to do that as well. So. And finally, then, you offer scholarships for a high school camp, the Nebraska Youth Range Camp. And what is this camp all about? Well, this is for high school students who really want more experience and and more knowledge about rangeland management, wildlife, natural resources, and also just leadership um, skills. So this is for students who really participate in range judging um, contests and FFA, um, but it's also for any, you know, any um, youth that wants to learn more about those different topics. Great. Well, these camps all sound like fun, Um, but to get this scholarship, what is the deadline? How do these students apply? Well, what they need to do is contact me. Um, I, again, my name is Marsha at the Central Platte Natural Resources District, and they could give me a call at 308-385-6282. They could go to our website, which is cpnrd.org, 
or they can also email me at lee at cpnrd.org. Um, each of these camps have different um, deadlines. Um, so as soon as you know that, you know, if you're interested, just give me a call and I'll, I'll let you know the different deadlines for each of the camps. Great. And these summer camps are right around the corner. So go ahead they and are. give Marsha a call if you want want some more information about that. And we thank you for your time. Okay. Thank you so much. Again, we were speaking with Marsha Lee from the Central Platte NRD, talking about those scholarships for the summer camps, which, believe it or not, even though the weather we've been seeing, summer is right around the corner. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It was a sell-off day in the grain markets today. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. The uh, winter wheat futures uh, really got hit hard. They were the leader to the downside. Yeah, it was pretty much a removal of risk premium due to weather. Raining right now uh, south of you guys. I don't know if you guys get moisture out in Lexington, but uh, south towards Liberal, Kansas, pretty much that whole line there from from there north are getting showers. Now it's missing the folks in Texas, so that does matter. But um, you know, scattered showers being observed at this point into the close. That combined with a good day in livestock after a negative open, as well as the options expiring today, and I think that has a lot of pressure in the short term over the markets as we now will wake up on Sunday night with a lot of additional short futures in. Uh, next week, I expect more of the same. Delivery is probably going to keep a lid on the market uh, as folks need to decide whether they're going to price or roll, but I would be looking to secure long positions as we get into early May. That's, uh, that's kind of been the trend. We sell off into delivery once the delivery begins and all the specs are out due to first notice day, the market resumes its uptrend, and I think you know, we'll observe kind of what these rains are going to do for the wheat market. They need to be, that that's the key here. If we can get off the floor, I think the rest of the markets will follow. Well, the soybean meal market got off the ground today. Yeah, interesting to see the meal move higher and have beans move down. And all that does is increase uh, crush margins and should uh, kind of increase the demand for beans. I think there's some nervousness right now due to the fact that we're not seeing any export announcements in the morning anymore. So, you know, those big flash sales that will get announced that you probably talk about every couple of hours there are, are uh, we've been absent for about eight days. So there's the assumption that Brazil is now going to be the leader in, uh, you know, the ag space as far as exports go, both on corn and beans. I'm a little skeptical on the corn side. I think right now there's supply available. I think down the road it's simply just going to be eaten away at their carryout. So um, there's a story developing down there that is weather as well. So if you're looking to take a re-ownership play, I would say – Maybe sell your bushels now to buy right around that 1st of May or maybe late next week. Uh, that's when I feel like the loads are going to be made over the shorter run. Are you optimistic about Sunday night into Monday morning when it comes to the overnight trade? Mm, I think it depends on how these rains develop in Kansas. If they do, I wouldn't be shocked to see us fall back down to last week's low. But global prices have been rallying on wheat. Corn prices are steady, although the U.S. isn't the most isn't the cheapest uh, feed grain anymore. That that is now in the Brazilian hands, just due to currency factors, and that's another factor here we haven't really talked about. Is just the weak Brazilian real and the weak ruble. Both of those competition currencies on the wheat and the uh, corn and soybean space. Thanks, John. John Payne, senior marketing analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago, and be sure to go to DanielsAgMarketing.com for more information. This is the Rural Radio Network.